it was another way for me to say, hey, I'm not Asian because yeah. I'm Christian. And honestly, I went through wow. such a long period of time of truly praying to God that he would make me white. Because mm. in my naivety and my experience, I would think if I were white, like boys would like me and they wouldn't make fun of me in my lunch. Or if I were white, I'd have like blonde hair and I could wear my hair and makeup like all the popular girls. And I'm like, I'm totally with you. Like wow. I'll laugh at these jokes with you. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week on the podcast, my new friends Joshua and Presley Colburn join me. They may be better known by their TikTok fans as the satirical worship duo of Tristan and Sage, but they join me for a conversation about the impact that both being in and leaving evangelicalism has had on their lives. I couldn't get enough this first conversation, so we had to make it a two-parter, so that'll be next week. Um, but if you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now, and you can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Joshua and Presley Colburn. Here's the one thing I always think when I ever see one of your songs. Yeah. Okay. Because you guys bring the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always curious about this thing because I'm interested in human psychology. Ooh. Do you feel the emotions that you felt when you led music in church, when you're doing these songs, like when you're performing them at any point, whether it's writing or performing them, do you ever feel that same like thing that we used to call the spirit? But like that, those tingles, like, do you feel any of that stuff? Yes. Absolutely. I've gotten emotional singing the word genitals. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's what people, what people don't see is that we work, I mean, we work really hard on these songs. And these I can people. tell. Yeah. Um, and, but what they don't see is there's usually a five minute version of these songs mm. and that we we joke around and call them like our breakout like worship holy spirit moments yeah. because we will be in our room here like like vibing trying to get like the 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 right feel yes singing you know i wanna be done faces well, that's the one i was thinking of. Yeah, that's my favorite one that's my favorite one <laughs> so we you know but it's it's funny because in that moment i you know uh, we, we'll kind of trade off leading, but I led us into this. We want to be dung faces moment. And yes. it was like, and but it was just as real. I swear to God, as I've seen you move, you move the mountains. You know what I mean? Like it was the same emotion. And like, any Brooke, Brooke Frazier, Brooke Lingerfield <laughs> song. Hear my heart and that Hosanna. Oh, dude, same. that, oh, that makes me cry. Wait, was the next line to that make me clean? Yep. Yes. Yep. I, I was going to say that. There's like, also a line in that song that says, I see the king of glory coming on the clouds of fire. <laughs> and you're like, song. I always thought of jizz every yeah, time I heard too. that. Me I too. never didn't think of jizz. Now being a young, modest woman, I, I, I have the mind of a middle school boy and I always have. You thought yeah. about jizz too? Yes. Yes. Wow. Like fire jizz. Because I always thought about fire, fire? jizz. It makes fire? me think of this time that these keeping people safe here basically these people had convinced this girl in the youth group that jizz is purple 
and if it comes out <laughs> and if it comes out white that person is sick wow <laughs> wow so she freaked out because she was like it was white I I like oh, no. am I is am I gonna get sick? Like, do I need to tell him? Do I tell other people? Should I tell my mom? Oh, but no. that just shows you the indoctrination of like when you don't just go by fact. Exactly. And exactly. Thank you. I was taken out of health class in sixth grade, which would teach about sex ed, right? Yeah. Because my parents were fundamentalists. And I ended up, you know what I did instead? I went to the library to watch Little House on the Prairie because that's what I was at a public school in Massachusetts and my parents requested that particular show. Unbelievable. Instead of learning about the color. Were there other kids or were you the only one? I was the only one. I was the only one. (laughs) You're by yourself watching Little House on the Prairie in the school library. I like, yeah, I think. And I wonder why I had no friends my sixth grade. Yeah. How's your relationship with your therapist now? It's great. I love my therapist. (laughs) That's so, that's insane. Yeah. This is why I'm so curious about people like us, like for you guys. So it's a very different experience growing up evangelical in, in in the Northeast than it is where you are. Absolutely. It is right. And even for us, so we have very different stories. Like it's kind of weird sometimes. So um, for me, I was always deconstructing. So I didn't grow up in the church. I put myself into the church at 14 years old. Right. Um, And, and so for those of us that are, for those listening right now, you have to listen to when you, you shared about this at one point where you talked about um, what it's like to come into the church when you're 14 years old, but continue. Sorry. That was a really powerful. No, no testimony culture. And actually, going to be speaking a lot on that um, nice. in, the, in the coming months because I feel like it is a, a thing that is not often hit on yeah. and it's a really toxic thing inside yes. the church. It's getting people to share their stories when they really should be speaking to a therapist and professionals yes. about these things rather than just sharing it out to the whole congregation. Like it is, it is so toxic. Um, yeah. But I, so I put myself in at 14, um, always been super rebellious, like just mm-hmm. very rebellious. And um, me rebelling against my family meant going into church, like um, wow. a world that they were not a part of. And, and right as I went in and got into church, they gave me a platform. Mm. And so they were like, yeah, you sing. Like I was, you know, I was just learning how to play guitar and singing. They're like, you. so the first time they ever asked me to lead worship, which is really funny because it kind of ties in now to all the, sh- the stuff that we're doing here, which is um, I was super into metal and I knew nothing about worship music. Um, <laughs> and so they asked me to lead worship because the, the person who normally led worship was sick and this is like my second week at church right and oh i knew God. nothing about church the first time i ever showed up to church i was wearing a guar shirt like and it said <laughs> when the shit hits the fan and it was this giant turd flying through a fan all over all over the fan why did you get rid of that you had i had no idea what you were doing there you had no, no idea no idea so th- i mean <laughs> just, i am a fish out of water they put me up on stage to lead worship wow. and i led a tool song what a moses stop moment. i led a tool song yeah, right. <laughs> such a moses um, 
sure. And I and the song was this. It's from like one of their first EPs, and it goes like, "Jesus Christ, why don't you come save my life?" And yeah, Maynard is singing it in this super mocking tone. Yes, right. I'm like, hey, we let's let's uh, let's use this song. Let's wow, work. like <laughs> like turn it turn it to become like more worshipful than than sarcastic or whatever. Yeah, and it, did that's... you have a sense that it was sarcastic the way it was written? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. But it was like really all I knew. I thought I was doing something cool. Which, wow, looking back Actually, on it now, yeah, like yeah, it is, that's pretty good. Because that cool. is what is kind of cool. Contemporary churches do now. Well, so are you, Josh? Are you are you originally from California? Yeah, born and raised in California. I grew up in a very unique place called Carmel, which is okay. um, a very small, rich, affluent like uh, like town where Clint Eastwood was our mayor. Okay. Um, yeah, I think stop. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt had a house there. Yeah, at one point. really. Like, that's where all the celebrities? It's go. where all. They're yeah. Like, so if so you've it's heard of Beach, if no, it's it's um it's north. So if you've heard of Pebble Beach, where they have yeah, all. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's, but it's, it is on the coast. It's right next door to Pebble Beach. It's in the Monterey Peninsula kind of area. Okay. Okay. All that out here on the so it's it's like it's one of the richest places like in the world. It's wow. It's, it's insane. Um and so I grew up there and was not wealthy at all. Yeah. Um Yeah, but, tell them you grew up in the trailer park. That's nothing to be ashamed of, but like that's a big difference. No. Well, it cha- it, it changes your perspective when you grow up in a really rich place and you're yeah. not one of that culture, it changes the way that you, you view everything. I had a graduating class of like 200 people mm. and, and I would say my car in the parking lot was the only car that wasn't like brand new pretty much. Wow. Yeah, it was it was it was weird. Was, was everyone in that in that context I wouldn't imagine I would imagine that's a more liberal part of the yeah. state is that correct? Very liberal. So okay. it was where all like the rich artists went to retire. And it was, okay. this, it was this kind of like hippie. It's right by Big Sur. So it's this like hippie gotcha. art community, yeah. um, but of very wealthy artists who have like all made it. Right. Yeah. And now, now it's a different, now it's all like tech bros and um, like the tech industry has bought up all the houses there. I mean, it's just, it's mm. kind of disgusting. It's kind of place go. that has galleries and you're like, who is funding this? Yeah. <laughs> And they always used to have galleries um, back in the day. There's actually less galleries now, but the okay. galleries that are all there are like way more mainstream. And yeah, so yeah. you're growing up in this fairly hippie liberal context. There's yeah. your parents aren't raising you evangelical. No, but somehow you found your way into evangelicalism. Was it was it a mega church? No, was it, it was a really small Presbyterian church. Okay. Um, and so that like, and they were like, they loved me. They were great. Like there, there's a lot of things wrong with it, but you know, they, um, but right out of that, I got hired in at this mega church, um, and like moved away from my hometown to, to work at this mega church. Um, and I started out as the junior high intern there. And then I worked my way up over 20 years, same church, um, to be the exec, one of the executive pastors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. and is that where the two of you met? We met through different like creative projects. We did serve in ministry for a little bit there. Okay. Um, and then ended up connecting outside of church on a, this is actually really funny. One of the first creative projects outside of the church um, that we worked oh, yeah. on was um, <clears throat> we, this ex NFL player, like randomly we ran into this I actually or you ran, ran into, into him, him at a coffee shop while I was filming a sketch that I, I 
Now that I think I, did, I feel like this is important to the story. Basically, they had I had to improvise like fake charities, and I had no idea what they were. An example of these, and I'd had to try to get people at this coffee shop to sign up for it. So they like had a, a camera on me, and I'd go up and I'd be like, "Hey, can I talk to you a minute about lift kits for Joe? I'm gonna <laughs> give you a sketchy uncle who's gonna teach you how to get a lift kit, you know, and stuff lift like kit. that." Yes, for a truck. And so he saw wow. me, met me there. We started talking about it. But the funny thing is, is the name of his company is Coaching Video. And we're like, okay, so we'll, we're like, we're going to make a, a commercial for you. And it ended up being really successful. We were super excited about it. Like, yeah. honestly, whoa, whoa, let's really be honest. proud. The video was successful. The business was not. <laughs> not so much. True. But because that's because the name of the app is, we'll tell you, was COVID. Coaching video. COVID. <laughs> and let me tell you, this came out right before COVID. Right before <laughs> Right COVID. before, like I'm talking months. Like, let me tell you that when oh. we heard COVID-19, our very sleepy brain was like, holy shit, our video Wait. took off. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. You thought you went viral? <laughs> For a very teeny, tiny split second. Because the idea was it would pair you up with like, NFL um, or like basically professional athletes who had actually played in the major leagues of whatever sport, like you'd get video coaching in your sport. It's so a cool we were idea. like, that's awesome. A, that's a very cool idea. I was basically curating dates for people. Bates? Yeah. Dates? Like D-A-T-S, dates, like D-A-T-S, like experiences. Oh. And then, yeah, that's what I was doing at the time. But then this was like, we had created like our own company outside of this where we wanted to like be your creative arts team essentially yeah 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 for like whatever your business was so if you're a dental office we're like boom you want a jingle we got you you oh, want a website that. you know we don't do that really anymore except for i guess kind of for ourselves but that's how that i think that's kind yeah. of like how we first started seeing like our creative our potential. creativity outside of a church because when you're in it you feel yes. like it's a gift from God or there's right. a purpose. And so right. that was like us going outside of it being like, hmm, I guess these skills are still here. <laughs> this That's the most confusing thing about being post-church yeah. is what do you do with these skills or these things that you've spent most of your life cultivating totally. on the other side? So did you grow up in the church? Or, mm, no, not so much? It's Okay, really. So yeah, mine's weird, but basically like my family culturally because i'm half japanese have been buddhist so like for funerals mm. and japanese new year and girls day and obon dancing which is essentially like our way of celebrating the dead um mm. i've always had that as a part of me but then um honestly like part of the area i lived in was predominantly white and evangelical yeah and so consciously or unconsciously i personally feel like my family thought that like the best of the best is going to like a private white Christian school. Like that's where all the smart kids go. That's where all the like, you know, influential kids, affluential, whatever. Yep. And so I started going there really for, I remember my parents were like, well, it's for the principles and like the morals of it. Cause they weren't really Christians. Like they'd go, we'd go for Christmas Eve. We'd go for Easter. My dad grew up on the East Coast at a Catholic all-boys school. Mm. So he had that whole perspective going for him growing up, like being one of three Chinese kids in a predominantly Irish and Portuguese um, yes. area. <laughs> and yes. so 
um yeah he had a that also impacted the way i saw religion because i saw what catholicism was like through the lens of being one of three chinese kids wow you know at an all boys catholic school and it yeah we can totally get into that and then him having to wear like this wool suit and essentially like religion became a way for us to assimilate into white american culture absolutely that we're no longer just the people who own the chinese restaurant in the area we're like going to church with you so my grandma's still baptist um, and then I ended up going to pu- public school for a while, thought I was an atheist. I've always been very rebellious and very stubborn um, <laughs> and very spicy. And <laughs> so when it I doesn't thought, serve evangelicalism well, no, no, but no. I met this girl um, in high school who said basically like full transparency was like there's cute boys at this youth group and i'm not even thinking anything about it but i'm like i'm not interested in any of the boys at our school so why not so i went there but then i started actually getting invested in like what they were saying right and i was like okay this is kind of cool i like the music Mm. and i started feeling something for the music but then i would see these same kids on the weekends at the same parties i would go to Sure. And it, yeah. that was my first taste of what I now see as hypocrisy. And of right. course, kids, you right. know, we were all kids. So I'm not trying to be judgmental about that. But it right. made me see like from the kids that they would be acting one way Ooh. in church and on youth group and then a different mm. way on the weekends. And I didn't mm. like that. Yes. Um, but then I met another girl who um, started was very religious. And she would tell me she was like, basically, I guess a missionary to just me of like telling me about speaking <laughs> in project. tongues, yeah. Yeah. yeah, speaking in tongues. Oh yeah, like basically she had brought me in, and I do think there is a lot of really good intentions behind it. I I don't think she's a bad person at all. Sure, yeah. Um, but it made I looked up to her like whoa, like she could speak in tongues. She has like the power of intuition. Like she's been places where they've prayed jewels out of the ground, Mm. you know, like that kind of thing. Like she's seen people walk out of a wheelchair, you know, she's served and all these things. And so again, long story, but she connected me to another person who also got saved by her. Yeah. And he ended up going to, I know she really, (laughs) she got it done. She got it done. Um, and also my best friend. So us three were all, and we were singing together. We were all, it it just all makes sense looking back. And so then, um, he went to university, she wanted to go there and he calls me and goes, I, I know I'm going to see you here next year. Like God's Mm. telling me that you're going to be here. And at this time I'm still like, I don't believe in this but i am going to church yeah like, can i just say something in yeah. this too like like now that i know her story and it's fascinating because i really just kind of learned the depth of her story here yeah like she was what everyone would call like who was like like inundated with christian culture lukewarm like she was <laughs> a lukewarm christian going into and about to jump into a christian college where she knew nothing about I knew the nothing. culture I like remembered some so coloring pages of like scales coming out of a dude's eye that God had like healed his blindness. You know. Question though, when you would hear something like that expression, lukewarm, would you apply that to yourself, or would you say like, um, "I'm trying here, and I just don't really fully get it"? I think it was. I think I it was. It started off as both, and then it turned into lukewarm, which probably okay. was the catalyst for me starting to have my own internal like, "I'm a sinner." I'm not worthy. 
is wow. really like being told like I'm already in it and I'm already feeling like I'm oh I'm lukewarm hmm. makes you and I'm also not white which yeah. like even though we know it's not supposed to be literal we know that it does get taken literally obviously yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> yes absolutely so anyway, long story short, I do end up going to university and I literally read the book Exodus and said, what have I gotten myself into? Like I met what I, a Bakersfield Christ, Christian, <laughs> a Fresno Christian. I learned terms like piggybacking. I learned vessel equally yoked. I learned who Chris Tomlin was. I Chris learned Tomlin. who Chris Tomlin was in college. Wow. And, but all of this, like I was You're having blessed. the most beautiful most amazing musical experiences while my faith was growing. And I yeah. honestly look back and do not think I would have felt the same way if I wasn't involved in music. Right, right. Really don't. If I was yeah. just going into it. But then I got to a point where I started getting really into the theology because I realized, oh, these aren't just people who are like, you know, bless the Lord, like for me and my household, you know, you know, that type of like yeah. the Hobby Lobby signs, but they're theologians who are way smarter than me. Sure. They have like three master's degrees. Yeah. They're like writing their dissertation and they're telling me like, here's the apologetics. Here's the historical context. Here's the Aramaic. And I'm going, okay, I'm just, I got to get, look more into this. And then I did look more into it and I was really, really invested. I truly mm. believed to the point where instead of going to the emergency room when i was having what i now know is a, a lyme disease episode yeah. i wanted people to pray for me like pray around me mm. i refused to go and then i thought i had demons coming after me like oh this is, man it feels like a like i just can't even believe that i even got that inundated with it truly yeah. because i've always felt like joshua very rebellious and very stubborn like as yeah. soon as you tell me to do something it's You're going to question happen. it. You're going to question yeah. it. Like, why? yeah, it's, and I've gotten better, but I, it is crazy that I did come into it later, maybe 14 years of it as like a young adult to yeah. an adult. It's powerful. That's the point. <laughs> it's powerful. It's very powerful. It'll, a lot of it is like, is, um, humans need connection, right? Yeah. We need, we need each other. And so once we find that and then you get that key, it's just, just enough of it will break, will just break you down to be all in. Oh, absolutely. So, and it was another way for me to say, Hey, I'm not Asian because yeah. I'm Christian. And honestly, I went through wow. such a long period of time of truly praying to God that he would make me white because mm. in my naivety and my experience, I would think if I were white, like boys would like me and they wouldn't make fun of me in my lunch. Or if I were white, I'd have like blonde hair and I could wear my hair and makeup like all the popular girls. And of course, that's so silly now. We know that doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. it was my way of saying, no, I'm I'm like, I'm totally with you. Like wow. I'll laugh at these jokes with you. Wow. And you said it before, you know, so when you're, <clears throat> when you're hearing this as like a child for the first time in your Christian school, yeah, you're hearing that you want to be made white as snow and yeah. so that became like a prayer for you right like wow. I mean, yeah. that's insane that's wow that that's that's really wild because i mean it's it's one of those things that like we recognize at, afterwards but you're feeling it in the moment that you like consciously wanted to be white yeah wow 
that's really, that's... I was in kindergarten, and so like, I mean, I didn't really understand metaphor then. No, no I didn't no, even no. know what <laughs> like my foot was. <laughs> yeah, I, I swear, I've heard her say this a bunch, and I it, it's like a gut punch every time. Like every yeah. time you say it, it feels like getting punched in the stomach. Oh I'm... yeah, because I remember like in those moments, it really does draw a line because you look in the class and you're like, well, there's me, and then the one mixed kid and mm. then i'm pretty sure he's half black and then that was it and you're like uh oh like you get hot face because mm. you're like oh we're like the easy people to see that aren't white as snow wow and then well, later it, i was like oh <laughs> well and then you're used for diversity you know later yeah. on right <laughs> so it's good that you're not white you know <sighs> Um, it's just one of those things. I'm. Um, did you? Did the two of you ever lead music together in a church setting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> Presley was always kind of. It was. It's interesting. The diversity comment just struck me because Presley was a like a token mm-hmm. because that's the way it works. Sing. She's beautiful and she's Asian, you know, yes. and so so the, the churches, um, you know, these like mega church, like hip churches, um, they like to to really capitalize on that, you know, yes. and in fact, like uh, there was a rule at the church where we couldn't have a video unless there was diverse, like there, like we would say there, it was like a rule of three. So for every three person, one should be diverse. Wow. Like there, one needs to represent some sort of like diversity. literally in the editing. Cause I would edit the video. <sighs> so that was like explicitly stated that oh, you, it wasn't like there was nowhere that it was written, but it was like okay. common, like it was our, the culture and it was known so like that was one of the filters that everything needed to be run through wow um so if like the church would do like a welcome video or something like that we would like stick to this like every third person so it was really disheartening to keep having to go to like one of like four black people in our church and be like hey will you be in our (laughs) I, i know you don't act or have never expressed any interest in being on the drama team but will you be in this video Wow. You know what I mean? And like, wow. yeah, I was. Oh, that's, that's so much. That's, that's a whole podcast right there. Yeah. Oh my God. So from my context, I was never in a hip church. Never. Yeah. Um, but like, so, but I, I know enough people to know that like you were like the pastor, like the worship arts kind of person. Is that right, Josh? Yeah. So I was, our, our church had a brand that called it the creative arts pastor. Cool. So, um, yeah yes that so our... that yeah and then so the two of you were you're the boss though like you're the one running that show and i imagine it was a big pretty a big ship to run it was yeah it was i often felt like i had the keys to a really expensive car that yeah. i had no business driving like i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm making decisions like i'm bringing in thirty thousand dollar projectors of course hang in the auditorium like i was i oversaw like a million dollar build out in terms of just the sound and lights and okay i'm getting angry just i'm getting angry just hearing that right now not because not at you but just because like that is the culture that we were a part of that like do you remember this on tiktok the uh the flying drummers remember that whole thing Mm -hmm. oh yeah so that like is more close to your experience of church than anything i've ever experienced yeah but all I thought of when I saw that was, yeah, that's crazy, obviously, but no one's thinking about the other million pieces of it that lead up to that. 
all yeah. like it's a culture thing it's not just the flying drummers mm -hmm. it's a culture of we'll do whatever we have to do to bring more people here and to get yes right yeah that, I mean, so that yeah. was my job basically yeah yeah was overseeing our sunday morning experience mm. and wanting to and it always had so a couple things we would always talk about wow factor it always had to be wow, wow. um <laughs> but we also were like super we were kind of dicks too like we were judgy um so like that little drummer boy kind of skit um yeah. we would label that like um this church art this church that i was a part of would label that we would call that beach ball meaning there's a term for this right okay so i gotta tell this story on tiktok I love this. I love this. so beach ball meant it was an element that had nothing to do with anything okay um yes. and we got that because there was like a uh an event that we went to one time where in the middle of worship they busted out beach balls and started like hitting them around right and it was like there's no fucking point to that <laughs> um and so we adopted that as like you know that's a beach ball idea yeah, yeah that's so <laughs> good that's clever but, actually that's clever. yeah but the, but the whole thing was to basically and i always felt a little and and i pushed back on this a lot um in the church i always felt like it, we were deceiving people and ultimately mm. that is one of the, the the reasons that i chose to leave um is because it felt like deception in the way we would welcome people in right like we would we would basically be like look we're doing this like blink 182 song and we're tying it into god and how like god loves all the small things too you know what i mean <laughs> like and <laughs> like that's what we would do and so um it's so then, but, but right, right. But then it was, then it was, but <laughs> surprise, like we want 10% of your paycheck yeah. and surprise, Amen. like you need to get into a small group or you're not having the full church experience. Of course. And now surprise, like you should probably get into like counseling through our counseling center. And mm -hmm. so it was just all this like revelation after the fact and the, where we saw it the most, where I saw it the most was towards the LGBTQIA community, because this church, and I think now, like looking back on it, I think these churches are the worst of the mm. worst in a sense, because like, if you go to like a really bigoted church, that's like outspoken against um, any, at least, you know, yes, right? Exactly. Like, at least, you know, where you stand. <clears throat> this church was not like that because so you would be welcomed into the church. We would, we would create small groups for people in the LGBTQ IA um, community, like we were that like progressive, right? Oh. We created a safe place for them. But ultimately, um, all the pastors on staff had to sign a contract saying we would not do a same sex wedding. And, and yet that would you would still be considered affirming to others in other ways. Yeah, wow. exactly. And so, so you'd be like a considered an, an affirming church because you had those groups, but you ultimately weren't because you couldn't actually uh, acknowledge or support the relationships that they were in. Yeah, Cause you could serve, you couldn't speak. It was, it, it, it was, it, it was really weird. Like you could start, like it used to be where you couldn't serve unless you were, if you were a practicing, like yeah. whatever you want to say, however they'd say it, it was a lot yeah. of language right. back it, then. Was, <laughs> I, I feel uncomfortable even entering into I know, that but, conversation. <laughs> right, right. Um, but if you were practicing, which- yeah. <laughs> If you were just being you, if yes if you but were the, being... way, the way that we were learned though here's the language right it was if you practiced 
homosexuality or if you it's the lifestyle language too the lifestyle the lifestyle lifestyle. if you were partaking in the lifestyle that's yes that's it um that basically if you're partaking you cannot serve so but you could serve if you took a vow of celibacy you know or if you weren't acting on it you know and so then that eventually um moved into and i i was really proud of the church for this that eventually moved into and i'm not sure if you're familiar with the side a or side of course of course yeah yeah so so it moved into the we became a church that was like hey we don't care what you believe you could believe side a or side b here are the two sides that we kind of affirm as a church yeah Um, but ultimately it all led to this roadblock of there were people who gave a lot of money Mm -hmm. in the church who had very specific ideas of what marriage looked like. And that was the roadblock that kept getting hit. And um, eventually it was like, I watched some amazing, I met this lesbian woman off of Craigslist while she was buying a table from my house Hmm. um, and had this, like we wept. Her story is one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. We wept in my kitchen. Hmm. I brought her into this church um and then i feel i mean she was so abused by this place oh brutal and but i'm so proud of her because she eventually left but it was without she left she had some very very hard conversations and some very very like amazing things to say to the leadership of this place and challenge them good and then she did not leave quietly good good for her a really good thing yeah see this becomes the ultimate question right so i was a pastor in a denomination and the only reason that I agreed to get ordained is because another pastor was like, Dave, we really need your voice for the LGBTQ plus conversation. Yeah. I was like, all right, fine, fine. I'll do it. But ultimately like, I didn't, that's the only reason. And so like I got in and I'm like three months later, I was out. <laughs> There's just no room for that to matter. It doesn't matter. They're going to have this conversation for eternity until the money goes away yeah. because, because of what you just said. There's some, there's some people that are funding these buildings and, and the lights and everything else. They, they keep us getting salaries. Yep. So why are we going to do justice? Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't actually matter. Right. right. And, and, we would, but, and to further that, we would hear these horror stories of progressive churches doing this and then just fucking dying. Yeah. Right. And so right. all of us are going like, well, we need a paycheck. I mean, that was my justification to sign. Oh. Like I feel, I get a little emotional and I bet. sick I bet. to my stomach knowing that my name was on that paper. Hmm. What um, was it? Was saying that I wouldn't perform a same-sex wedding. You know yeah. what I mean? And my yeah. justification in that is, I'm I'm an ally in this place, and I this is my way of remaining an ally in this place. And um, I get it, Josh. Honestly, I get it. We're like. It's, it is a brainwashing in many ways, because like what you really did care about is the way that you're expressing it right now. Yeah. Like you did feel that way. Always. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And same with me, because even Mm. when I was in college, uh, to be on the, the teams that I was on, um, I got scholarship money and then I did other things to get like grants to pay for my education because it's a private university. I had to sign a contract that said, like, even if you're of age, you cannot engage in like basically having boys spend the night, um, uh, cohabitating, um, drinking, uh, drugs, smoking, like even cigarettes. Um, mm-hmm. And you also had to sign that you acknowledge that uh, the Bible states that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. And 
it was that's always been my really hard for me but at the same time i knew that i i really could not go to college without the um scholarship so it still makes yeah. me sick inside it's still i have a really really hard time wrestling it i it's i have a lot of guilt and shame over that because maybe i could have i maybe that should have been my moment to say i don't want to be here yeah but I yeah. also know that it was a privilege for me to be able to go to a university and get yeah. my education. So it like, I still really struggle well, with that a lot. I understand that, but here, here's, here's the, like, again, my therapist and I have a great relationship. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that the system that makes you feel guilt and shame is the one that like invented that. Yeah. Like you, you, you only did what you knew. That's it. Right. You only did what you knew. And even though you had, like, I didn't have conflict the way that you, you two did. I was like, a, I was like, uh, I'm all, I was all in, all in from birth. But like, even if, even if you're questioning it a little bit, this is your community. This is what you know. Yeah. Like what else are you supposed to do? Like the, to me, one of the greatest things that we can do as like people who have left this movement is to be easy on ourselves so that other people like can see that they don't have to beat the shit out of themselves. Right. Because yeah. that's what we did the whole time we were in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's, nothing to feel, there's nothing to feel shame about. Now you're a voice that way. Now you're doing what you know right. to do. Yeah. And what we're doing now is, you know, it's funny because we've always lived loud lives. It's, it's like <laughs> no matter what, like whether it was living for Jesus or whatever. And now like <laughs> we're just going to continue to live loudly. But the difference is for the first time in our lives, we've afforded ourselves the ability to shut the fuck up when we want to. Like yeah. we like we don't have to keep talking. We don't have to keep going. It's not like our livelihood or I mean, our lives do not depend on it spiritually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we are we're enjoying it. We're enjoying connecting. We didn't expect to connect with people on this level. Yeah. My yeah. friend, my friend Leif, who I met on TikTok, said TikTok <laughs> is like Tinder for friends. <laughs> it's such a good like we've made so many friends. Oh, I love that. Like people were calling weekly now or daily. Like at times we're texting that we have like made from from this community. It's I incredible. Love that. Yeah, I love but with that. With that being much. said, like even though we know we can stop talking, it doesn't mean we're gonna stop acting. Yeah, because we really are there's no stopping like the dismantling that we want. Yep. Uh, and there's yeah. no stopping like fighting for equality in many different ways. And it's just a forever thing. We know yes. it. Yeah. That's so, so good. With that, like we don't know what it's always going to look like. We don't know if we're always going to be doing these songs. We have ideas we would yeah. love to do. We have so many ideas we'd love to do, but ultimately like, I think this is what makes it feel different is it's not, it's very much so not about fame. It's not about mm. recognition, mm. which is partially why we have fake names for our um, yeah. egos. Yeah. Um, and it's not about the Lord, but it really is just getting people to um, just consider. We're not even trying to get people to change their minds or mm. to agree with us. Yeah. Just consider. That's it. I love that. Well, ultimately. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, my friend. Well, yeah. it, well, it's been an effective tool in, in the sense that one, like a lot of people can't combat it like it's because it's we're we're it's using true. words straight out of the bible and it's always funny when they're like you're taking it out of we're context like, yeah, and that's we're like the point. that's the point um but 
and that also is, like that, they but that's what they've always been doing yeah they've always that, been ripped out of context and that's our point like, yeah like that but, is our point i mean there's uh, another guy i follow uh, the evangelical community is large and wide actually it's very yeah. interesting there's this one gentleman I'm forgetting his name at the moment but he talks about how like christians are they're killing satire because like the, mm. what you're doing it's satire right and it's supposed to point out that very thing and they're like yeah oh, you're taking taking it out of context yes we're doing that so that you can notice this is what this is what we've always been doing totally mm-hmm. it's interesting because we keep running into people now and i was not expecting this either but we keep running into people who have deconstructed their faith and have like a shit ton of bible knowledge who yeah. are still coming into the comments and challenging us on this stuff and we're like come on like please just see <sighs> that's actual like what we're doing here and that's join disappointing us. like get on yeah, board that's I disappointing mean, yeah like the song that we did uh then two bears came out of the woods right and yeah. and mauled 42 <laughs> bears whatever yes, like yes. we do know the apologetics of this because we've tried to find them like we know that people legitimately would say well mauled doesn't mean killed and if you were surrounded by 42 children, you'd be very scared. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'd flip them off. Oh my God. I'm not going to get two bears. Oh, also, it's very clear they are female bears. Yes, female bears. Female bears. Absolutely. It matters. It matters. Absol- it matters. Context uh, matters <laughs> that they were female bears. They're very here's, clear on that. It was the, the time of month. Probably. Here's the issue. Here's what. Here's my general summary of this. First of all, like I'm, I went to seminary. Like I studied the languages. I got all that. I became a pastor because I care about like a deeper understanding of these things than what we learned in Sunday school. Right. I'm obsessed with your music because for me, what it does is it points out the, what the evangelical church is like Mm -hmm. at its essence, it's this shallow thing that of course, if you don't dismantle, you're living as though Santa Claus still exists. So, So, right. So for me, you guys aren't like exegeting, <laughs> like you're not doing exegesis. You're not doing all that stuff. You're just like making a commentary. And I guess when it comes to these conversations, it's important because it's pointing out something that should be obvious that, that just isn't. Yeah. And right. It just should be obvious that we don't believe that two by two animals went into an ark and that there was a right. Yeah. It should, it should, but it's not. So you're trying an avenue towards saying like, this is what we're trying to free people from this like thing that keeps us stuck. Yeah, totally. Living word. Yep. It's interesting (laughs) because we've done a few verses that are a little close. Like we did the, I form the light, I create darkness. That one. Yeah. I do all these things. Yeah. Yeah. I create evil. Ezekiel is something from Ezekiel. Yeah. I I think think it's in Matthew. It's a newer, it's, it's in the, I don't know. There's yes, but it's funny because a lot of Christians, (laughs) like there's Christians that are like, yeah, totally. We, we, we agree. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. We're, we're calling out that your God is now saying that he's, he created evil. Like, Oh no, but see my friend, Calvinism is the embrace my friend of double predestination, which is like the God that creates all things is responsible for all things. Yeah. Which is, I remember in college, someone trying to convince me and successfully because I just wanted to be faithful yep. that God, that I, it was an honor to be a puppet of God's. Right. Yep. You know, like, mm-hmm. so, okay. So I'm just, all right, I'm just a puppet and like, God gets to do whatever. Sure. Why not? Like that, that's the thing that ultimately 
kept me stuck for I, I only was only a Calvinist for about a year, but mm-hmm. but it got me for a little bit because oh, yeah. because here's the issue: the Bible's not one cohesive thing; it never was. It's right. not like one idea. So if someone says God, they mean whatever their projection of God is. Exactly. But the yeah. Bible has fifty thousand versions of God in it. <laughs> Yeah. I know, and the time frame of it is so massive. I don't right. know why people can't wrap their heads around that. Yeah, you know, it's like when you tell people like um, that, like the T Rex and like the Triceratops are separated by millions of years or whatever. Yes, like, yes, Wait, yes. What? They're like, no, they in Jurassic Park they fought right? each other. Like, I love telling people like, hey, can you like? I want you to imagine that there was like a good like you know, let's be, we'll be conservative, good 200 ish years where there was no Bible after Jesus. Like what did and people like, people never know how to respond to that. What what does that mean? I know. It's like, they really think that it's like a, a, like a piece of musical work that someone sat down in their room for a month and like, didn't come out and was like, I've got it. Yeah. All right. The Bible. As soon right. as Jesus died, like the Bible, like fucking shot out of the cross. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't understand, but but again, like we we talk about this a lot. Like even in your own upbringing, your own familial life, right? Like how when everybody goes through a time where they're like, wait a minute, mom said this is how this always happened, and then dad's yeah. like, no, this is what really happened. Then you're yeah. like, wait, but my whole life I thought. And you realize like all you know for a very long period of time is really just what people are telling you. And most people don't grow out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why Donald Trump got elected, because that's like the same mindset, right? It's, oh, an evangelical leader told me to vote for this guy. Okay, he's my guy. Like my brother went to Liberty University and Jerry Falwell Jr. told evangelicals to vote for Donald Trump. Yes. And so they voted for what? Did I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Okay, keep going. I almost went to Liberty. No, no, I almost went there back in 1999. 1999. That's when I went to college. Um, We're like the same age, age, my dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, you seem a lot younger than me. Mm. Um, in a good way. You're very mature, but just like you, you look young. <laughs> I've got like all the grays. It's his, girl, <laughs> girlish pigtails, his girlish pigtails. I'm jealous. I'm bald under this hat, which is why it's always on. Where are um, we? <laughs> but I was went there like I was fully evangelical. I voted for George W. Bush like I was all in, yeah. you know, f- but this is this is what we are brought up to believe. Mm. So like if an evangelical leader tells us to go a certain way, we're going to go that way. Right. You know, we just yeah. we march in step. I mean, my my um my uh, seminary, Billy, I've got Billy Graham's signature on my degree because he started my seminary. You know, <laughs> wow. I was all friggin in. I was all in. And I think that that's when, you know, if I saw the two of you probably 20 years ago, I would have been so disgusted. Yeah. (laughs) Like so disgusted. Like how could they do this to like the, like I hope they burn in. I don't know if I'd hope. Yeah. Yeah, No, No, but for real. Those kinds of people on your page. And it's really sad. Like there is a, uh, this young guy named Dylan and Dylan likes to come in and it's hard because Dylan is 20, probably 19, 20 years old. I remember being a sold out 19, 20 year old. Yes. 
You know, like I, I know what it's like to be that person. Yes. And, and, and they probably like Dylan probably looks at us and goes like, they're cool. I would love for them to be doing this for God. Like, what if we had them on our team, you know, or Dylan and, and Dylan is like, you could, he, you could hear Dylan's heartbreaking in his awful like arguments towards why we should stop doing yeah. what we're oh. doing. It's funny because you could almost like, I almost could be like, we could complete his sentences because we're like, we too. Yes, we right. Make a, yeah, we oh, them. we have a big church because well, the temples. We should create a golden temple for our Lord. So why <sighs> wouldn't we have the best lights? Why wouldn't we have the best sound uh, system? Yeah. You know, like we could make those same arguments. Yeah, it's that's like, the hey, thing Dylan, about these. It's you from the future. <laughs> the, the difference you hope, is, you hope. The difference is these fucking 19, 20 year olds have the energy and I don't. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I've had this conversation so many fucking times. Yes. On my way out of the church, I had yeah. this conversation for a year. I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. Like, sorry, Dylan. <laughs> like, pop a few pimples and, and we'll talk in 20 years time, <laughs> at the same time we recognize that it's really more our responsibility to be available to journey alongside you but we can't just tell you how the book ends no you know that's I mean? so, so good we that's, really do see that <laughs> i love that i feel the same exact way i feel like our role is like to be ourselves that's it first of all yeah. that's it uh, if, if there's anything I've learned from therapy, that's the truth. But then also the like to walk with people who also are like teetering or are there and need solidarity, because ultimately, like what I notice is, though, there's a lot of us like that are deconstructing. We're all in different places with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like for me, it's like I'm the kind of guy that the way I'm built is like, I just like to lean into the sadness. <laughs> <laughs> like I like to go after the sad melancholy, like, let me, hit, let me hit that shit. And yeah. then there are other people like that do what you do. And then there's people like, um, Leah and like all, all of our other friends out there that like have their lane. And why don't we just like say beautiful, like oh. for me in the church, the difference is when I was a pastor, even though I, I'm not this way, you're trained to compete. So I don't know if you guys felt this as, as a music group, but like, you're supposed to be better than the other music group. You're supposed to be better than the other church. And while, while you're not really, you're supposed to be like all Christian We're you know, we want people to come to our place. Yeah. Like totally. all I care about is if you resonate with my stuff. Awesome. If you resonate with Tristan and Sage, awesome. Original influencer. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't, I love that. Like if you, whoever you resonate with that, like makes you connect and feel like you're moving more towards wholeness and restoration from the shit that killed us and made us feel shame about ourselves yeah. than beautiful. And yeah. I didn't feel that when I was in the church, mm -mm. I felt like I would be competing with like, Oh, this guy. Oh, look how he's saying like, I don't know. Like totally. it's just wild the way that we're trained yeah. um, to be on the same team and compete with each other in really unhealthy ways. Absolutely. I feel way more, I feel like a much better person now yeah. and it's weird because it's not like we've always still been the same so for me personally deconstructing is hard for me to almost jump on board on as a term to describe my experience only because yeah. I feel like it takes away from his experience and your experience and other people in the sense that we just figured this out today that mm. I have never felt like you're going to hell because you believe in another religion or wow. I or felt judgmental or what you're doing is living in sin or wrong. I never got that far into it, wow. whereas Joshua did. And that's a big difference. 
Yeah. That's a major difference. And, and, <laughs> but even to, to speak in, but to the brand of Christianity that I was in, I was yeah. allowed to be sad for the people who were going to hell. And that, oh, was, my, nice. that was my position and posture. Progressive. Uh, yeah, very progressive. I, there was no rejoicing in the, in, the, in, the, in the hell. But, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before. My grandfather, towards the end of his life, got really, really spiritual and, um, and really into like East Asian culture and, and stuff like that. And so he started traveling to India. Um, he, he had a master and he got really, really into his spirituality towards the end of life. Yeah. And I was reflecting back on that, thinking like that whole time I t- felt like to be a Christian, I had to put realize that my grandfather was going to hell. Wow. And I had to be okay with my, my grandfather going to hell because like if I'm not, if I believe that he's going to find his own way to, to heaven through this, um, then I can't be in the club because that's not what other people in the club believe. Like that's a, that seems like a big, like defining kind of thing. And so I had to resort to believing that my grandfather's burning in eternity. Whereas me, like already growing up Buddhist culturally, my perspective already had two, I guess you can say two sides of the same coin. We'll say I'm being careful about that, but Mm -hmm. I already was like, well, no, cause I'm Buddhist too, culturally. And I don't think, you know, my ancestors are in hell. I really don't. I think in my mind, they were in their own version of hell. Uh, Sorry, heaven. Whoa, Freudian slip there. Their own (laughs) version of like a Buddhist, like it's underneath this tree that my grandma always talks about. Sure. She's still alive. She's doing well. We're actually celebrating her 89th birthday you got some longevity there oh my other grandma's 98 like i said but this this grandma um she was going through health complications and she was delirious from all kinds of different things and Mm. it was just me in there all night uh and then my cousin and i would take turns and then she was basically saying like presley i'm ready to go i'm ready to go meet buddha and in that moment i was like there's no way i'm gonna be like hey grandma uh, I don't know if you know, but there's this dude named Jesus who died for our sins and then he was resurrected on the third day. So actually, like you should probably accept him into your heart really quick before like you go on this Buddha journey. Like, yeah, it just that never, ever, ever made sense to me. And again, I don't I feel like I'm lucky that I at least had another perspective my whole life. Yeah. I so think again, that. Yeah, yeah that makes the deconstructing structure term. I feel like I need to find another one. One of the things that. I've been thinking about a lot is the deconstruction word too. But like one of my friends talked about decolonizing rather than deconstructing. Mm, yeah. In that video you did, it was a really yeah. good video. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that, that term could work in the sense that you talked about like needing to be white um, because colonization typically came from, you know, um, European countries so and, and it was and it was whiteness really so that that were that they were pushing really what i've come to is that you cannot disconnect christianity from whiteness christianity invented whiteness so um how do you separate the two anything that we experience in the western world is the is the result of christianity it just is mm-hmm. it's the way that imperial christianity whatever you want to look think about that as so there's deconstruction which is just what literally every human being does. Yep. If you get older, you deconstruct. <laughs> you you don't believe in Santa anymore. Oh, you've deconstructed Christmas. But like <laughs> it, as you get older and you no longer participate in the 
cult of worshiping something you can't see um, or trying to participate in something that connects us across um, state boundaries and all this. That's decolonization because we've been colonized, all of us, to think a certain kind of way so that we all can move towards whatever the goal of I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but like the bigger, the people that have all the money and make yeah. all the decisions. So yeah. like decolonization might work, but I think also what you talked about with the LGBTQ plus problem for you, um, that's deconstruction. Like you did deconstruct along your journey. Like we all do. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.